Ready to stop trading time for money and build a business that can scale? Then you're in good company. This is the Productize Podcast, where I chat with entrepreneurs who've transformed their businesses using the Productize service model. I'm your host, Brian Castle. Want to learn my best strategies for productizing your business? Then get my free crash course by going to productizecourse.com. Now let's get into the show. All right, here we go. Today on the Productize Podcast, you've got my conversation with Dan Norris, who really needs no introduction these days. Uh, but back in 2014, he launched WP Curve to paying customers famously within seven days. Fast forward to today, and he's grown this productized WordPress support service to over seven figures a year in revenue. Wow. So this conversation was actually recorded back in late 2014. Uh, when Curve was in the thick of its early rise, and Dan and I got into the nitty-gritty of how the launch went and how they grew so fast. So it'll be interesting to kind of look back and, and hear his thoughts, um, you know, from a little ways back, uh, you know, understanding what, what WP Curve has actually grown to be today. So, uh, so pretty exciting stuff. Before we dive into the interview, uh, I don't want to forget about the, today's quick tip when it comes to productized services. And today, that quick tip is... is leverage your unique advantage. And what I mean by this is every business idea and every path and every decision that you're going to make has to be has to be rooted in you know coming from you, your your unique experience, your unique advantage. You know, maybe you've worked in a certain industry for a while and you know some some key insight that most people aren't really aware of or you're just be- you're more familiar with a particular problem and and even uh, the type of solution that would solve that problem better than most, you know, you want to really um, start with yourself and and even look to to like networks of, of of groups of people that you're that you're connected to, you know, these are huge advantages when it comes to launching a new, any kind of new business, but especially a productized service business because that's that's when you're really going to get into the nitty gritty of solving a specific problem for a specific type of customer, and the better that you know that customer whether it's, you know, from your unique experience or someone you know or, you know, where you're from, um, you really want to leverage that stuff. You know, yes, there are thousands and millions of, uh, of, of great business ideas and, and markets that are, quote, unquote, ripe for distru- dis- uh, disruption. Dis- okay, I can't even speak today. Disruption, um, as much as I hate that term. But, um, you know, you shouldn't just go for anything just because you think that there's some kind of opportunity there. You want to start with your unique advantage. You're always going to find more success going that way. So um, today's interview with Dan Norris is a great example of someone who did exactly that. He launched WP Curve to be a WordPress support service because Dan himself had um, plenty of experience working with the WordPress platform for years, and he and he knew plenty of clients who needed exactly the, the type of support service that WP Curve um, offered. So, um, you know, he used his own unique insights to, to launch that within seven days and get those 10 first paying customers. So um, really insightful stuff. All right, now let's get on to the interview. All right, I'm here with Dan Norris. He's the uh, co-founder of, uh, of WP Curve. Dan, welcome. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, no problem. So, um, so you know, I, you know we, we've spoken a number of times now, um, and I think we talked like at various stages of uh, WP Curve. I even spoke to you before WP Curve in your previous life working on Informly. <laughs> um, so for, for those who aren't familiar, what, what is WP Curve and what do you guys do? Right, yeah. So um, 
WP Care is pretty simple. We have a $69 a month plan and we do unlimited WordPress fixes and small jobs. And um, we've gone from, as you said, before non existing 14 months ago. And now we're just signing up a, a lot of people. I think last week we signed up around 30 different customers. Um, and we're up to 500 customers and 20 staff and about 36 grand a month in recurring revenue. Wow, that's awesome, man. Um, very cool. So, okay, so you guys do, and by the way, I, I kind of just want to frame this interview because it's a little bit different from most of the other uh, case study interviews that are included here in the course. And um, what I really wanted to get you on here because what you've built here, as you just said, you know, a team of 20, you know, you're serving 500 customers. It's, it's kind of the other side from productized consulting. You guys have truly built a, a productized service business. It's largely built on, on manual processes as we'll get into, uh, here today. But, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to hear how you've scaled that up so quickly. Um, but you know, what I kind of want to know is I, I first want to understand the service itself. So you guys are providing kind of on-call customer support for, for WordPress site owners. What's actually included in that support and, and what's, what's not included? Really anything that gets done by a developer that can be done in under 30 minutes is included. Um, and because it's not always completely black and white, what 30 minutes is, we normally, we normally extend it a little bit. Like if someone's, someone sends us through like, you know, can you put together this landing page and it'll take 45 minutes, which we'd normally do something like that. Um, but generally it's pretty cut and dry. Like it'll be a bug or it'll be, they've installed a plugin. It just doesn't look quite right. Or they'll be getting a PHP error up the top or it's something more procedural, like setting up analytics or all of that kind of stuff that can be done as a small job. Hmm. Then that's what we do. Um, what's not included really is, is anything that's not development. So SEO, um, is included to a point, you know, where it's a developer that does it like things like fixing up permalinks or, or page titles, installing Yoast, that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. actual SEO advice on how do I get more backlinks, that kind of stuff we don't really do, um, design we don't really do. Although, as you know, most developers have some level of design. So if the client is specific about what they want, then normally we, the developer can do that as well. But we don't have, we don't employ designers, so we can't do like from scratch design. Hmm. Um, and I mean, do you get a lot of like website own, or people who want a website and don't even have one yet coming to WP Curve? Like, can you guys set me up a new website? No, we, we're for existing site owners. So we, we do have a lot of people that come for that and we have to tell them we can't help them. Um, but gotcha. yeah, I mean, if it's really for existing site owners and if, if you've got a new website, what you need is a project more than likely, unless you're like super technical yourself and you can do 90% of it yourself, you probably need a local developer and that's, that's really outside of scope for what we do. Gotcha. So even if they're like, you know, I just bought this theme and I've got hosting all set up, can you guys just install it and set it up? Like, is that still like kind of out of the scope? Well, I mean, if it's, if it's inside 30 minutes, then it's in scope. Um, but it usually becomes pretty clear pretty quickly whether right. whether the client can really use our service for what they want to do with it. Like we have had clients who've, who've had a new site, they've done a lot of it themselves, or they've got a really simple requirements and they want to install a new site. And if it can be done inside 30 minutes, then we do it. Um, but what is more often the case is they are a, someone who needs a project and they really need an agency or a freelancer to build the site and design the site for them. And they're sort of wondering if they can use our service so it can be cheaper for them. And that tends to not work out too well because most of the jobs for like a new site in that situation are, are more than 30 minutes. Interesting. 
Um, and then, you know, I'm also kind of wondering about the quantity of requests. So, so your customers are subscribed, you know, month after month. You said it's uh, 69? Yeah, you can. So we have a $69 plan or $99. And the 99 one, we do proactive support. So we'll, we'll go in and upgrade plugins and upgrade WordPress and check the site occasionally um, well, monthly. Um, do a backup every month, that kind of stuff. With with the standard plan, we just do requests when they're when they're ordered. So um, gotcha. in terms of the frequency of requests, it's unlimited, but it's sort of naturally throttled by a few things. One is it's it's only per website, so you can't have more than one website unless you want to sign up more than once. And the other thing is we you can only have one request at a time. So we normally turn around requests in about seven hours, um, but we only guarantee same day turnaround so like if we're really busy then it might take us you know 15 hours or something which would be unusual but like that is possible to take say 15 hours to do a job and then they'll request the next one so it sort of makes it difficult for them to request it, yeah. it would be unusual for a client to request sort of more than 15 or 20 jobs a month gotcha um and because it's per site it would be really weird for one site to have that many little things that needed to be done each month as well like that hasn't really happened yet except for when when they're sort of haven't got their site live yet and they're trying to use the service to get it live right um but typically it would it would be you know like normally when people sign up they'll sign up because they've got a couple of issues they've got in mind and the first couple of months there'll be you know five or ten jobs but um after that it'll be it'll be less than that interesting um cool so and, and then i'm also kind of wondering how does the billing work exactly and, and is there a free trial or is it they sign up and they begin billing right away yeah, no free trial. It's $69 a month. There's no lock-in contracts. As soon as you sign up, we do a site review, which gives you a few ideas for things you can improve on the site, and then you can start requesting jobs once we've we've activated you in the system. Gotcha. I, I think that's something that, you know, if you, you look at these, like, SaaS applications and almost everyone out there does some kind of free trial, or, or at least that's, like, the go-to method, right? But I think in the, in the productized service world, everything is, is done manually, you know, we're, we're investing in actual man hours, um, on every process. So free trials just don't really come into play or, or most of the time they don't. No, no free trials. We, we wouldn't do that. I mean, if, if, if people, I, I would do it for SAS, I'd probably do a, like a credit card free trial. Cause I've done the other way before mm-hmm. the freemium and it was a disaster. Um, but for, for service, I wouldn't be doing any free trials. I mean, you want to know that especially, especially for a really low cost, product like this if they can't afford $70 like if they're whatever doubts they have about the service that you should should be able to find creative ways to rectify those whether it's by putting proof on the site or just you know having having a lot of people promote the service like we like I got a um, email yesterday from a guy who's probably the the most well-known internet marketer that I can think of and he told me that he's put us up on his resource page and he's told me that he's heard about WP curve all over the place um, and like that kind of brand recognition is, is how you get around not having to do stuff for free because, because people know about us now and, and they've heard about us from a bunch of different places right? Social um, and a bunch of influences. And... Yeah. So they trust, they trust the service. They don't need to try it for free. And if they do, then, um, I think there's, maybe it's not a good fit and maybe, maybe they're just not really that keen to pay $70 a month for something, which is fine, yeah. but, but maybe not a good fit for us. That's awesome. So uh, in a couple minutes, I want to get a little bit into how you guys do marketing and how you did it in the beginning. But first, I'd like to focus on your like the systems and how you've scaled this up and how you did that so quickly. So I, you know, I actually remember when you first launched it, um, 
you know, you, you got a lot of uh, attention, um, and rightfully so, for uh, you know launching this thing in, in what was it like seven days? You had something like ten paying customers. Yeah. Yep. So we we went from idea to to paying customers in in seven days, and that's and that's a, a book I'm writing as well on that topic called the Seven Day Startup. So I talk about that in the book. But yeah, yeah we I think I think because I'd done a bunch of stuff before WP Curve and and made it fairly public on my blog, and I built up a list and an audience, then there was a bit of kind of awareness around what I was doing next, which was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, when you, so when the idea came about and you, and you threw up the landing page and, and launched this service, you know, you're coming from previously doing a software product informally, and yeah. this is a completely uh, manual service based business. I mean, what made you decide to, um, to, to make that kind of change? Like after, well, was, after informally, how come it wasn't another software idea? I didn't have time. I had no money left. I had I had two weeks before I had to get a job and move. And um, I was literally looking for jobs. And so it just came purely out of desperation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to have a software business and I, and I really like, I, I really wanted to have a startup, like a high growth scalable type business. And I wanted it to be SaaS because it's just everything about that appeals to me. Um, and I just did not want to do a services business. But, but when I really thought about it, I think what I really didn't want was all the, the things that I didn't like about my last agency and things like probably the most important being it was impossible to scale, at least for me. Um, secondly, it was extremely inconsistent in terms of revenues profits and um thirdly dealing with annoying things like like really gray area briefs and you know um outstanding debts yep. um cashing checks man i will never cash a check ever again in my entire life i don't care <laughs> i'll go get a job before i start a business that has me cashing checks yeah exactly um so so that so i, I sort of thought about those things and, and i knew i didn't want any of those things but then i thought well I can probably still do some sort of service without those things as long as I'm really, really tight around what I offer. Yeah. And so I came up with something that was just subscription. And so you have the benefits of SaaS, but service means that there's a bunch of people who have that problem straight away and are probably going to sign up. Um, so, it's not a very long cycle like it is with SaaS. So I knew I could probably get people to sign up um, and I needed to do that quickly. So it was a really good fit. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I remember the stories, you know, in that first week you're, you're you're going to bed with your cell phone by by the pillow, you know, actually doing the customer support, the the live chat customer support, twenty four seven, just yeah. just by yourself. So, you you must have obviously from the very start assumed that like if this thing takes off, you you are going to immediately start hiring a team and scaling this up, um, and building systems. Right? It wasn't the kind of thing where oh maybe I can just handle a handful of clients for the foreseeable future. No way. I mean, I was not going to compromise. I wasn't going to start another business that I couldn't scale. So right. I would have got a job before I did that. And so this was all the whole time from the start. It was still going to be the startup that I wanted and it was going to be a scalable business. Um, but it, the only difference was that I was just going to have to hustle a bit extra early on. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I knew eventually I would definitely hire to replace me and to find a version of me on the other side of the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that... Um that whole concept of just, and you talk all about this in your book, uh, you know, the seven day startup, I've been hearing your other interviews, you know, on podcasts talking all about it, about how you can just launch an idea, you know, a, a, 
based on manual processes and even start delivering the, the very service that you're selling, you know, rather than spend months and, and tons of cash, you know, investing into software. Um, this is, this is truly a way to, to build a scalable business. Um, but you know, with the caveat that you are putting in that extra work up front, um, doing everything yourself to, you know, figuring out those processes and then systemizing them and delegating and, and, and building out the automation that way. Um, yeah, but I think if you're a, if you're an entrepreneur who hasn't had a decent success yet, which I was a year ago, um, I mean, you really do need to be prepared to to do that. And and if if you're not, then you you're probably in the wrong business. Right. Yep. So I mean, what? Let, let's talk about today for a minute. It's like, what what do the systems and processes that you've developed over the past year, as you've scaled up to twenty? teammates and 500 customers. I mean, what kind of, what does that look like? Like, how does an organization like that stay on track? You know, you're dealing with all these support tickets and these requests coming in. So how do you guys like not lose track of everything? Yeah. So we sort of had a bit of a rough plan of how we would get to 200 customers and what, what systems we would use. Um, and then another one for how we would get to a thousand customers and then another one for post a thousand customers. Um, so zero to 200 customers it was a combination of trello and email and that was it there was literally it was literally gmail um hmm. and i had trello that i used for a couple of the staff i think so at 200 customers we would have had about maybe 10 staff so eight developers and me and alex um and at that point it was sort of manageable to do things via email but it, but we knew eventually it wouldn't be manageable so we had a plan to go from email and Trello through to a help desk system. And we rolled out Help Scout, which we use now. And that's that's going to suit us, I think, maybe up to maybe a thousand customers, but that that's going to be a stretch. I think it's I think we're going to probably before then find that it's difficult to manage that. Um, just because of the way our business works and the amount of jobs that come in. Um, post a thousand I think we'll probably have to build our own system huh. to um to, to make sure like customers are there's a whole bunch of intricacies around doing web dev work that that aren't really catered for in support system things like knowing when to prioritize certain jobs and how to how to deal with um you know email versus live chat like when the customer really needs to chat live versus when the email is fine that kind of stuff that is not done very well by help software or project software so we i think we'll probably have to build something in between that's interesting yeah you know we're, we've been using help scout for a while for uh for restaurant engine and um, love it. I mean, it's just su such a fantastic tool for for any kind of email-based support. And yeah, I mean, I, I can see how, like, we're also using it for sales as well. Um, and, and we kind of link up Trello, which we use as, as a CRM with Help Scout. Um, it's just an easy way for, you know, my, my salesperson and myself and our other teammates to kind of hop into, in and out of different tickets um, really like yeah. that and kind of like leaving each other notes on the tickets that that's really awesome. But, but yeah, I could see yeah. how like, um, yeah, like we, we've had to assign tickets as urgent, but we had to like kind of like create a tag called urgent. And then even that gets a little bit lost in the system. And, um, it's, and it's also like how, how many tickets a day would you do and how many staff do you have? We have uh two full time on support and then one on sales and then me. Um, the support does get pretty, pretty heavy especially because we do all the the setups uh manually so every new yeah. customer we're you know we're going back and forth with every new customer probably like 
10 times for their first two weeks of being a customer with us. And then over the year or so that, you know, or, or longer that they're customers, they're, you know, periodically sending requests. So, um, yeah, it, it, it gets a little, a little hectic, but it's for us right now, it, it's definitely better than, than something like Gmail, which like you in, in the first, I'd say six to eight months, I, I was also just using fully Gmail on customer support. Yeah, no, HelpScout is great, but I think like we've got, so it's, I think 18 different, well, 20 different people who are in there. Um, and then um, probably, I'm just trying to think how many jobs a day, probably 150, 150 different jobs a day come in. Um, and that's the main thing is like, how do you allocate all that work in a way that is best for the customer and also best for the staff. Like I don't want to assign 30 jobs to a staff member and then they get sort of overwhelmed, you know, yeah. about what they have to do, all of that kind of stuff. So, so I think it'll work. It'll be awesome for us up until a point, but then eventually I think we're going to grow out of it. So we sort of have to plan for that. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you, how do you handle it, this kind of stuff? Like you must have some kind of procedures in place, right? Um, and, and like what were like the key procedures early on and, and what, can you give us some kind of a glimpse of what they you know, or tell us like what they what they look like today. Yeah. So, um, well, the hiring one is is one that I've put up on our site, the recruitment process for hiring developers, and that's probably our biggest and most detailed process because we we got to the point where I couldn't do it all myself. That um, was a really great post. I'm going to link it up alongside this video for you guys. Um, I I read that and and man, that, you know, your whole process is just you know dialed in there. That that was really good. Yeah, so that one's, I mean, that's probably the most important because at the rate we're growing, we have to hire every one or two weeks a new, like, developer from overseas. Um, and it's just too much for me to do. And there's a big process that we have around that where we give them trial tasks and, and score them and make them write development notes and all of that kind of stuff. So um, that was a big one. Originally, again, like with all the stuff we're doing, we, we sort of do what is the best thing to do at the time. And, and early on, it was just me doing the hiring. Um, and eventually, it, it's, it was too much for me. And we also have to hire on the other side of the world. So we made that into a process. And I mean, the high level version of that is when our response times get to a certain point, it triggers a hiring process. And we have an, an executive assistant in the US who's a, a US-based person. And then I've got one in the Philippines who helps me out. Um, and so Ness or Julie will, will take over that process and um, reach out to developers and start running trials and, and basically we don't see it until I review their trial at the end and confirm that they've got everything right and then we just make a decision on whether to hire. Um, so that's one. There's a whole, I mean, there's so much stuff because we have, we also use Infusionsoft. So there's a lot of customer related processes um, that are all written for like our admin staff so they can do some of those things as opposed to me doing them. Just Just silly things like, you know, customers want to change the plan they're on or, um, you know, they signed up with a different email and their email address changed or, or something like that. Like mm -hmm. all of those little things are covered in procedures for Infusionsoft. Hmm. Um, we have procedures for our dev team. And the, the main one there is there's probably two things. That one is just canned responses, which are included in Help Scout um, for certain types of questions. And the other is a, a document, which is like our solutions document where if a customer asks a specific sort of question, then there's a document that tells the dev how to, like a procedure to follow in that situation. So like if the customer says, I want to install Google Webmaster Tools, or if they say, um, I would like to have a site map and submit it to Google, 
then we have a procedure around installing Yoast, setting up webmaster tools, submitting the sitemap, all of that kind of hmm. stuff is, is covered in that procedure. Yeah, so you guys are not only creating procedures for how to handle like you know, like handle help scout and and your internal things, but you, you also need procedures for actually uh, what you guys do is is website development stuff, so you need to know how to work a, a WordPress site and and have all these procedures for that. So, I mean, you know, I I know that you know, you know, web development and WordPress pretty well, but did you write all these development procedures or over time, are you actually having your development team start to write those procedures as well? Yeah, it's a bit of both. I write most of them because, um, I mean, I don't need to know how to code to know that, know what needs to be done in certain situations. Um, like the coding side of the stuff is normally when there's, there's an error on a site and developers just intuitively know how to fix that because they just troubleshoot the code and that's not procedure. That, that, that's not a procedure. Um, but it's more the like the standard tasks, like the one I mentioned with Webmaster Tools or setting up analytics, um, installing certain plugins or recommending certain plugins or even just advice like recommending hosting. We have we have like a set of providers that we recommend and a standard email that people get sent to give them an idea of who that provider is and why they're a good choice, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written I've written pretty much all of it. I think um, Alex has written a few processes. He, he's sort of more into like the well, he, he handles a US team, so he's written processes for Julie and also like he's he's sort of has a bigger focus on like team morale and things like that. So he has processes around like, you know, when when do we kind of congratulate the team and, and when you know, when customers submit good reviews, like what we do with those and, and how the admin guys grab that and put it into the team chat and that all that kind of stuff. Nice. Um and then, and then developers as well. Like, like if if we use a new tool, like we started using, um, I think Browser Stack. It's called for um, like oh, yeah. uh, for, test, like testing IE and mobile and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I'm these days. I'm I'm not really like going in and screenshotting exactly what to do at each step. So I'll normally get the de- one of the developers to say this is exact the exact steps you have to follow. Put that into the solutions doc. And then I'll go in and review it, make sure it's okay, and then I'll notify the team to to read it, yeah, sort of proactively, and then they know when it comes in, yeah, they, it'll be there. And also, for there's a process for new starts where they the first thing they have to do on the job is read through all this documentation, so they see all of that before before they get assigned a ticket. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm finding myself these days like I, I still write you know lots of procedures for my team, and, and I've wrote I've written like pretty long ones, but. Sometimes I'll give a task to to a teammate, you know, because something comes up, like a customer asks, you know, how to do something, and and I, I realize like we don't have a procedure for it yet, so I'm just gonna like, and I'm like super busy all day, so I'll just tell my teammate, look, here's an email. I'm gonna like fire off a couple quick steps over over an email, and then at the end of that, I'll be like, and by the way, just can you turn this into a procedure? <laughs> yeah, you know, and like we have a template procedure that they would then use. They have a procedure for creating procedures, you know, <laughs> so they can go and like that and like you know, kind of use the template and just convert the crap that I just sent them over, over a quick Gmail and, and turn it into a, a good looking procedure that we can improve later. Yeah. Yep. Sounds pretty similar. Um, it's, except we, we, we sort of don't have that many procedures. We've got quite a few procedures for the admin guys, but for the developers, we really just have that one, one document um, and the can responses and that sort of, other than that, we just kind of communicate via live chat and, um, make sure everyone kind of understands things, but, but we don't have like a whole bunch of different procedures for things. Very nice. So we're still using Google docs too. So that's sort of part of it is, um, I don't want like 50 different docs for devs to have to worry about. 
Yeah, we actually do use Google Docs as well, and we do have like 50 different docs. <laughs> um, the way that, that we've handled that is um, I have one spreadsheet. Uh, so we have like a procedures folder in Google Drive and, and one like master spreadsheet in that. And that spreadsheet lists out all the different procedures, like the title and then the link to, to that Google Doc. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of separate the spreadsheet into a couple of tabs. Like we'll have like support procedures, admin procedures, sales proceed like sales and marketing procedures, um, a couple other ones. Yeah, I love Google Drive. I think it works really well. We use it for everything. Very nice. Okay, so let's, you know, a couple more minutes here. Let's just uh, talk kind of briefly about marketing. I know in the in the very beginning we you talked about how, you know, you launched the the landing page real quickly. So how did you get your those very first customers? Um well, I had a bit of momentum. Well, I wouldn't say momentum, but I had a bit of an audience because I built a list up um, with Informally. Right. And I'd also been active in a forum, an entrepreneur's forum, and I'd sort of been discussing what I've been doing in there. So I posted it in the forum and then I emailed my list. And that's really all I did. I, we haven't we haven't really done anything marketing-wise since then. We, we turned on ad roll recently and we've got like a pretty low spend with that. But that's really the only thing we've done other than creating a lot of content and deliberately trying to build the brand and get press, we haven't really done any sort of paid marketing. So everything up to this point, 500 customers is all of your content, content marketing efforts. It's to be honest, it's all, it's, it's mostly brand and word of mouth. It's like I could, I could claim that it's content, but the content is to me is I see it as being part of just brand building because the, the way, I think the way people think content works is you put out a blog post about WordPress and people see it and then sign up for your service, but that's not really how it works. Right. We like we we try to be in as many places as possible and get our brand out there and get our message out there, and the content is part of that. Are and you, we build the email list and we work on people over time and we try to get press and get mentioned everywhere, but but it's a longer term kind of thing where people hear about us and then a few months later when they have a problem they sign up. So. Yeah, I mean, and I totally agree with, with all of that. You know um, how th- that er- there is that misconception because I've spoken to a lot of people about you know quote unquote content marketing, whatever. That like you know if I just write these blog posts, then that how is that going to result in customers? But yeah, it's it's more about um, building that audience who who kind of returns over time, and even even if it's you know you're just sharing stuff that's not necessarily directly related to your product or your service, it's just something of interest to your audience. Like you write a lot about building a business, you know, entrepreneurship and your customers are business owners with, with websites and, you know, you're not necessarily writing about WordPress. You're, you're writing about business. That's what's interesting. Yeah, you know. exactly. And, and the, the, probably the more important part of that is the people who are influencing our customers are business owners and entrepreneurs. And they're the people that, that I want our content to appeal to because it's the people talking about us that are going to send us the leads. Right. So, I mean, kind of what happens behind the scenes, though, when it comes to sales and marketing, right? So, you know, you're getting a lot of a lot of traffic organically, lots of referrals and, and whatnot. What what are you doing with email marketing, for, for example? Somebody joins your list. Is it how do you actually kind of take them down that path through the funnel into WP Curve? It's to be honest, it's not really all that um, scientific. I mean, we we don't like directly funnel people into the WP curve funnel in a way that you, you would see that kind of internet marketers talk about. What what we do is well, we do a couple of things. We do use Infusionsoft. So we do like a basic level of automation where 
we kind of know what sort of business people have and what kind of service might appeal to them. Um, once they become a customer, we have a bunch of automation that that kind of works to retain them and get them referring more. Before they become a customer, we just focus on giving them value and we, we I, I do a manual email every week to my whole list and that's probably the most emails people get are probably just that weekly email that I send. Um, we have email courses on different topics. We have one like pitch sequence where like if someone signs up for the first time, then we'll just send them one email saying what WP Curve is and what it's about and we only send that once. And if they sign up again down the track or sign up to something else, then they won't get that again. Hmm. Um, and and we also just have a whole bunch of stuff around like different ideas for improving WordPress and, and different business ideas that if people stay on the emails, eventually like they're going to start thinking of ideas that they need fixed and then we'll be a, a top of mind for, for being the company that fixes them. Right, right. Um, interesting. And And so, I mean, what about... What what about customers who come to the site and they ask you a bunch of questions? They're interested in signing up, but they haven't haven't taken that step yet. Do you do any? You, obviously, you answer their questions, but is there, are there anything else like you go and follow up with someone, or do you have any systems for that? Just retargeting. I mean, the, the the two the two ways of getting people who hit the site and don't buy straight away are email opt in and retargeting. So if they come to the site and they chat to us. I mean, if if they sign up for the emails, they'll they'll be on our list and they'll continue to get our emails. Or if they don't, then they'll leave and they'll they'll see the retargeting ads. Um, I mean, I don't know really what else we could do. I suppose we could put them on a like we could ask everybody if they wanted to be on on an email list and and you know send them some ideas. Like we've got a sequence where we have like 52 different WordPress improvement suggestions, and we send that to current customers to give them ideas for requesting jobs. So. At some stage, we'll probably use that as a way to, like, get people on early. We've got a few a few bigger ideas about what we might do with that too. Um, but for now, I mean, our it's kind of funny. It's it's our biggest problem is not getting new leads. So yeah, the part of the business that we spend the most amount of time on is not like getting the perfect funnel. It's making sure we do a good job, making sure we hire enough people, um, making sure where the developer, the owners of the company and the staff are happy. That kind of stuff is a much bigger focus for us than, than generating new leads. Yeah, well, that, that is a great place to be. I guess I have one one final question for you here. And so what do you spend most of your time on these days? Um, I'd like to say creating content, but I'd probably be lying. I'd, for the first six months, it was probably creating content. But the last few months, it's it's gotten so busy that um, I spend most of my t- time managing the team and managing the kind of the jobs and allocating them and, and also my personal email, that kind of stuff. But but we've always sort of had the vision where at some stage, Alex will find someone to do the client management on and the team management on his side. And at some stage, I'll find someone to do it on my side. And we're getting pretty close to, like Alex has already got Julie doing that. Um, and I'm, I'm getting pretty close to that point too. So once, once I get to that point, I'll do a lot more of stuff I like doing. I'm doing, I've locked in like a bunch of conferences I'm going to present at. I've also written a book. Um, so doing a, a lot more of that content, spreading the message um, is, is kind of the stay and meeting with entrepreneurs. I'm in a co-working space. So that kind of stuff is good. That's stuff I like doing. I'd like to do more of. Very nice. Well, Dan, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time. You know, this has been, you know, really, uh, really helpful. Cool, man. Well, I hope it has been helpful. If anyone's got any questions, then and my email is dan at wpcurve.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. Um, I've written a couple of posts around like service as a service um, ideas as well and, and business ideas, which 
maybe might be interesting to people who are looking at starting a services business. So I can send you a link to those. Yeah, that, that'd be great. I'm, I'm going to, um, you know, include all these links in there for sure. Um, uh, so Dan at WP Curve. And, and by the way, your, you know, your book, um, it's called Seven Day Startup? Yeah, it's, um, it's just, it's taken so long to edit, I think, because I'm not a very good writer, like I'm pretty messy. And so the editor's just taken ages to edit it. I think it's taken like four or five months, but <laughs> I think it's it's formatted and ready now. And we're, I'm just working with someone on on making sure that it's going to be free. Um, but I still want to do like a basic level of marketing to the point where people actually know about it. So Very nice. um, at the moment, I've got an opt-in on wpcurve.com forward slash seven day startup. But once it launches, hopefully in a couple of weeks, uh, maybe like early, really early October or hopefully late September, then it'll it'll be available to everyone so um cool. yeah i hope it's useful it's really just a book about encouraging people to start get to the point where you've got a, a product and customers as quickly as possible and then make decisions about your business after that point as opposed to making assumptions before that point and that's sort of part of my story part uh, blueprint for doing that for your own business very nice well dan thanks again and uh you know congrats on, on your success it's been really exciting to watch you over the past year can't wait to uh to see where you guys go next. Thanks, man. It's been, it's been great to be on again. Okay, Talk yeah. to you soon. Thanks for tuning in today. Get all the show notes for this entire season at productizepodcast.com. And to get my free productized crash course where I share my best strategies for launching and sustaining your productized service business, head over to productizecourse.com. All right, time to get back to working on the business. <laughs>